You came to a session called, Who Actually Cares About Jesus? My Friends Don't. And so I'm, we're going to do a couple surveys here. So uh, first, a show of hands survey. How many people in here actually care about Jesus? All right, amen. Yeah. Me too. I really care about Jesus too. I think he's hilarious. I think he's brilliant. I think he's like radical and upside down compared to the rest of the world. Uh, I think he's funny sometimes. I, I can't get enough of his writings. I love talking to people about Jesus. I I've even written a lot of books about Jesus. So I love talking about Jesus. I really care about him. But survey number two, by a show of hands, how many of you have people in your life, a friend, a student, a coworker, uh, someone in your family who doesn't care about Jesus? Raise your hands if you, okay. Me too. Me too. Uh, and these days, given the cultural context we're in, it can feel awkward sometimes knowing whether to bring Jesus up, how to talk about Jesus, whom you care about so much, but other people really don't care about. It can be awkward to figure that out. In fact, I don't mean to be crude here. I'm just trying to accurately portray this. Sometimes bringing Jesus up in a conversation is the social equivalent of farting loudly in public. You think about that, right? Uh, if you're ever in a room and someone, you know, accidentally passes gas or on purpose, I suppose, uh, and everyone kind of gets quiet, like, did someone just, you know, and sometimes it's like that. Did someone just bring up Jesus? It can be awkward like that. So awkward that it leads to what I call the spiritual conversation dilemma. Can we all say that together? Spiritual conversation dilemma. Fancy way of basically saying sometimes when a non-Christian and a Christian are talking with each other, they're in relationship with each other, sometimes the Christian doesn't know what to say, right? And so we have this very articulate, um, because maybe we wonder, like, I want to bring Jesus up or talk about my faith or I had a great time up in Minnesota. I want to talk about that, but... How will that be received by someone else? So sometimes we Christians get in this dilemma. Here's my whole goal for the next 25 minutes. That the end of this half hour period, that all of us in here leave a little bit wiser and a little bit more calm about how to handle the spiritual conversation dilemma. And so that's my hope. So let's start with some examples. Sometimes the non-Christian in our life that we're interacting with or in conversation with is really unreceptive to anything having to do with Christianity. They're a little bit like this guy on the left here. Okay, so they have the arms closed and they're kind of like, I'm I don't wanna hear about your faith. I don't care about faith stuff. I'm over Jesus. And then the Christian, you know, that's us with mustaches. Uh, that's the Christian on the right there. They're, they kind of have to deal with like, how do, I, how do I talk with someone who's really unreceptive to hearing about the Christian faith? So example, a couple examples from my life. I was uh, at the University of Colorado in Boulder, Colorado. Anyone from Colorado? Anyone with Colorado who has voices? Yeah, okay, there, yeah. Woo, okay. Uh, so I was speaking about Jesus, no surprise, on the CU Boulder campus, and afterwards, I'm kind of mingling, talking with some of the students, and this one guy, I found out his later, his name was Matthew, he came up to me, and he said, hey, I wanted to tell you something. I said, okay, okay great. He said, I didn't hate everything you said. And he said it like it was a compliment. 
I didn't hate everything you said. And, and, and immediately I had this sense, his arms are crossed. Like, I'm assuming I'm going to hate everything a Christian is going to say. What do you say to a guy like Matthew? Uh, or I think of Rose. Uh, I moved into a condo with my wife and three kids. We had two kids at the time. And uh, Rose came over. We had just moved in. We'd been there three days. She's our neighbor. And she knocked on the door. And I thought, oh, that's sweet. Like, she's going to bring me brownies or, you know, do something nice like that. No. Uh, Rose said, uh, hey, um, you're doing the recycling wrong. Can I show you how to do it right? I said, yes, ma'am. And, and Rose is like in her 70s, retired, smo chain smoking, cussing, uh, retired school teacher. She takes me over to, she takes me over to the um, recycling bin. And she's showing me, like, you put these in here. Clearly, you didn't know that because you put these in here. I was like, I'm sorry about that. You know, and I, and I'm, people in Colorado can be serious about their environment, right? Uh, and then somewhere, we're having this conversation in this small little stinky recycling bin area. And I don't remember how it came up. All I remember is that these words came out of Rose's mouth. Oh, Christians. I can't stand Christians. You know what I mean? I'm in that dilemma, like, what do you say to Rose? What do you say to someone who's clearly and obviously unreceptive to the Christian faith? What does a Christian do? Do you, do you just force Jesus into the conversation and say, listen, this is gonna be harder for me than it is for you, but I have to bring Jesus up. It'll be embarrassing for God if I don't, so I hate to do this to you, but Jesus, do we force it? Here's what we do. If someone's unreceptive, you see on the bottom uh, left there of that little diamond, it says they're unreceptive. Our goal is not to force Jesus awkwardly into a conversation. If someone's clearly unreceptive, our goal, you see it on the top there, just gain a hearing. That's your goal. Just to gain trust, to gain a hearing with someone. It can feel like an uphill battle. It can feel hard to gain trust with someone who's like, I don't like you Christians. Uh, but that's our goal is to gain a hearing, to gain trust with someone. That's it. How do you do that? How do you gain trust with someone? Two, two ways you can do that, and you see them written right there. First of all, you just chat. It's as easy as that because chatting about everyday life builds trust. So with, uh, with Matthew, I didn't you know, start in by like, well, why do you think you would hate everything I have to say? Jesus is Lord, liar, lunatic. You make your decision. You know, I, I didn't go there. I just said, hey, Matthew, have you ever eaten at the Dark Horse? They have great burgers. You want to get burgers sometime? And he said, yeah, okay. And so we went and we got burgers. And guess what we talked about? Just stuff, what he's majoring in, uh, how old my kids were, stuff like that. We were just chatting with Rose in the stinky recycling room. Do you think I did like an apologetic for the crusades and for all the nasty things Christians have ever done? No. I just said, oh, man, hey, do you like the Denver Nuggets? And I found out she was a big fan of the NBA team, the Denver Nuggets. Any fans of the Denver Nuggets? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Rose and I were, and so we would talk about the Denver Nuggets, just building trust. That's how you gain a hearing, by chatting. And then eventually you can move to relating, because relating to the joys and pains in someone's life, the highs and the lows, it deepens your connection. And so with Matthew, we started talking about my family and my plans for the summer and how I was, was going to go move into the inner city and why I was doing that. And with him, we were talking about his plans for the summer and his hopes and dreams in life. We were talking about joys and pains, and it was deepening our connection. That was helping me gain a hearing. And that's what it's like to gain a hearing. And sometimes, just through chatting, just through relating with someone, and friends, that may not sound like evangelism to you, but in our postmodern, post-Christian context, to gain a hearing is an evangelistic activity. 
And sometimes when you gain a hearing with someone, they become open to hearing from you. You have a little bit different kind of conversation dilemma that looks more like this. So she's a little bit kinder, right? Look, look at this guy, his angst here on the left and the spiked hair. Is she calmer? Everyone just kind of breathes a sigh of relief. She's receptive to the faith. She's, she's not closed off. She's open to hearing about good news. She wants some good news about life. And sometimes there are people in our lives who are like that, that they're open, they're receptive to hearing more. I remember I was uh, sitting on an airplane. Uh, I got in the airplane in Chicago. We were heading to Denver. Uh, and uh, the lady sitting next to me, on the, she was on the window. I was in the aisle. And I had earbuds in, which was like the introvert's way of communicating, please don't talk to me, right? We all know the universal signal, but she, she said, hey, so what do you do? I said, oh, and this is usually a really quick way of shutting up a conversation. I said, I'm a campus pastor. And her eyes got big, and she sat there blinking for a second, and then tears started coming down her face. And I thought, oh, I think she might be receptive to hearing some good news like, there's something about just the fact that I'm a campus pastor that there's clearly there's some receptivity there. Or uh, there, was a, there was a person I knew, um, Andy, we were at a baseball game. We were at the Cardinals. Any Cardinals fans? St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, here we go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Awkward. I mean, Chicago Cubs? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was at a Cardinals game, and I was with a guy, not a believer, and in the early innings, he was complaining about his dad. Okay, so, so he was an adult, and he was dealing with his dad, and he's like, ah, oh, my dad, and we're having this hard time, and it's really hard, and he's done these things to me, and I have a hard time forgiving him, and he was really wrestling with that. And then he said, about the third inning, he said, now, you're a Christian. Like, does that affect your relationship with your dad? And I thought, here's this, I think he's receptive. I think he's open to hearing some good news. What do you do? when someone's receptive and open to hearing good news. Well, your goal is to give good news. And you see that on the top over here. And, and it changes things when you bring Jesus up. It's like this threshold. It's like coming to the top of a hill and going down the other side. It changes a conversation when you bring up Jesus with someone who's receptive. It just changes the game. How do you, how do you give good news? And I don't mean give a summary of the gospel. That's not what I mean here. I mean give some good news. How do you do that? You do it in two ways, by sharing and by connecting. It's kind of like show and tell. Everyone remember show and tell, from, uh, right? And you can show something or you can tell about something. You can show like, this is my new doll. He's cool. Or you can tell, like my family went on vacation this summer. Show and tell is how you give good news. You always start by showing first, by sharing something Jesus has done in your own life. You share with someone something Jesus has done in your own life. And so uh, with, with this guy at the baseball game, third inning, does being a Christian affect your relationship with your dad? I didn't immediately go to, do you think Lo Jesus is Lord, liar, or lunatic? And if you were hit by a bus tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? I didn't go there. There's a time for that, and we'll get that to that next. But he was just receptive. He wanted good news. And so I started by showing. I was remembering this, and I was like, okay, I said, well, you know what? I've had some hard times with my dad, actually. And I kind of shared him a little bit, some of the struggles my dad and I have had and how I've had bitterness in my heart and a lack of forgiveness for my dad. And then I, and then I said, but here's the thing. Even though I'm like selfish and bitter, like Jesus like exudes grace and forgiveness. And the more I hang out with Jesus, the more I follow Jesus in my life, 
I can't help it. I just start forgiving people, even against my better judgment. And so I've been beginning to reconcile with my dad, and I've been finding peace there. Do you see? That's sharing. That's what it means to share. It's just to talk about what Jesus is doing in your life that's good news for you. And then eventually, you move to connecting. Connecting Jesus to everyday issues, which affirms his relevance. So you don't just show that Jesus is good news in your life. You then take a further step in saying, he's kind of like that. He is actually helps people reconcile. So that's about the sixth inning. It took me about three innings to like unload my own father issues, okay? So about the sixth inning, I then thought, you know what, I'm gonna move from showing to telling. And I said, you know what, Andy? I said, here's the thing, like, it's not just me. Jesus is like this. Jesus is all about forgiveness. It's kind of what he does for a living, is helps people experience grace and he helps them reconcile with other people. I think Jesus, if you give him a chance, he could help you in your relationship with your dad. Do you see the difference there between me saying, this is something I've experienced, that's sharing, and then making the move to like, Jesus is like this. He's actually into forgiveness, and I even used a parable. Jesus told this parable about someone who was forgiven uh, many things and then how that should affect how they forgive other people. And so kind of uh, showing and telling, and when we share and connect, when we give people good news, sometimes if the Holy Spirit is moving, sometimes they start to look like this. You see the guy on the left there? A little different than the arms crossed, a little different than just receptive. This guy, he's leaning forward. He's actively seeking. People who are actively seeking are on a quest. They have questions about the Christian faith. They want answers to their questions. When someone is actively seeking, you don't just gain a hearing with them. That's not your goal. You don't just give good news to them. Your goal is now to guide them toward faith. So a couple, a couple examples from my own life. Lucy, I got an email about uh, 10 months ago from this gal named Lucy. I'm a pastor, and, and so she, she had, her boyfriend had dragged her to my church a couple times, and she was really confused, so she shot me an email. And she said, hey, I've been an atheist my whole life. My boyfriend's a Christian. He's been dragging me to your church. A lot of things at your church are really confusing to me. Could we get together and talk about them? And I thought, oh, and she mentioned in the email, and uh, I got hurt a lot as, as a high schooler. I, I tried going to church for a year, and they treated me terribly. So I'm kind of angry, too. So I went in expecting this, right, at breakfast. Like, she's going to be unreceptive. I just want to try to gain a hearing. But when we started talking, I realized her posture was this. She had questions. She wanted answers. That first breakfast, I gave her a little booklet about Jesus, just a simple little booklet about Jesus. The next time we got together, guess what? I was, I, like, I felt like I have to ask because I have to be, yeah, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to do this. Like, did you read the booklet I gave you? You know, I had written it, so like that additional, like, you know, did you, you know. So I said, well, did you read that booklet? She said, yeah, and I have some questions. And she pulled it out and opened it up. She had written on every page. She had things underlined. She had questions written in all the margins. And I went, I'm in a different spiritual conversation dilemma than I thought I was in. She's asking questions. She's seeking. I remember this guy, Nick, he had, he had a mohawk, a green mohawk, and we were in a gospel choir together. And so we went out to coffee because I'm like, that's a guy I want to get to know. Like, if you have a green mohawk, I want to get to know you. So we went out to coffee, uh, and, uh, and I thought he was a Christian. He's in a gospel choir. 
you know. Uh, and so we're talking about like the faith and faith on campus. And, and I was kind of mentioning like how people tend to go to faith. They, they start out unreceptive. And sometimes if the Holy Spirit moves, they become receptive. And if the Holy Spirit moves, they, uh, they become seeking. You know, does, have you, has that been your experience that that's kind of how it happens? And you know what he says to me? He says, what are the, what are the things again? Well, you know, unreceptive and then receptive and then seeking. And he goes, seeking, that's where I am. And I went, oh, like you're not a Christian? And he goes, no. And you know, I felt like things weren't totally done. Like I felt there must be more to it than that. I've just been going to churches. I think everyone just assumes I'm a Christian. I'm, a, I'm that seeking guy. And I was like, oh. So that was like a big hint to me that he was seeking. What's your goal if someone is actively seeking? They're asking questions. Your goal, as you see here, is to guide them toward faith. Only the Holy Spirit can give faith, but we can help guide people toward faith. And sometimes it feels like going downhill, not in the sense of like it's easy or it's simple or it goes fast, but in the sense, if you're in a relationship with someone who's seeking, there's an urgency to it. It can feel like you're gliding down here, like there's an urgency to what's going on. What do you do to help guide someone toward faith? Two things. Number one, you explore with them. Exploring answers to someone's questions encourages their seeking. And so when, uh, when uh, Lucy brought out the booklet with all the questions, I wasn't offended and said, how could you have any questions? It was so brilliantly written. I mean, it's so clear. I didn't say that. I just said, those, those look like great questions. What are your top three? Let's start with those. And we started with her top three questions, and I encouraged her questioning, and we took out a Bible, and I said, well, let's look for some answers. I didn't give easy answers. Does that make sense? I wasn't like a guru on top of the mountain saying, oh, here's the answer to your question. I didn't have to have pristine answers. I just had to be like an awkward Sherpa walking with her, like, let's go, let's go hang out in the Bible, and let's look for some answers together. So that's how you guide toward faith, is you explore people's questions with them. And then, and this is an important shift, and here's where the summary of the gospel comes really important eventually, you're going to want to have a clarifying conversation with them. It's one thing to explore their questions. Eventually, you want to move over and clarify the costs and benefits of following Jesus and explain the core of the gospel. So Nick, green mohawk dude, we were doing Bible studies for a while and, and asking all his questions, reading the Bible, exploring for answers together. And finally, I had this sense, I didn't have this wisdom tool back then, but I had an intuitive sense, like I think we need to get to the core of the gospel. So here's the clever way I did it. I said, hey, Nick, um, is it okay if I bring a question to the table next week? And he was like, you have questions? I said, I just have a question I'd love to wrestle with you with. He said, yeah, what's your question? And I said, my question is, what's the core of the gospel? Like when you boil it all down, what does it come down to? And, he, and you know what Nick said? He goes, that's a really good question. I wouldn't have thought of that one. What is the core of the gospel? And we got to have a clarifying conversation. And that's where like a memorized summary of the gospel or a bridge diagram, something like that becomes so helpful. Romans wrote, there's lots of things that can, you can use that would be really helpful. And then sometimes... As you're awkwardly walking with a friend who's seeking, if the Holy Spirit moves, they find faith. And the Spirit puts faith inside of them. Now, that being said, it's important to remember this. God is the author of salvation. This is how it's put in Revelation. Salvation belongs to our God. God is the one who saves. Amen? Amen. Can you make someone become a Christian and have faith? No. No. But... God, who is the author of salvation, has chosen as his primary instrument of guiding people toward faith, you. 
all the people who raised their hands earlier who have friends who don't care about Jesus. We're his chosen uh, instrument. Uh, Jesus says, you are my witnesses. Paul put it this way. Paul said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. He wrote this to the church in Colossae. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. It means the people who aren't believers, the people who don't care about Jesus, be wise in how you interact with them. And then he went on to say, it's kind of an important deal. He, he, he said, make the best use of the time. You're, you're only given so much time here on earth. Make the best use of the time that you have with people who don't care about Jesus. In, in fact, to nerd out a little bit, Micah in the back, he'll appreciate this. The Greek that we translate making the best use of the time literally means cash in on the God-appointed moments. Amen. He's saying, cash in on those moments. Walk in wisdom. And then he says, and this is important for all of us to remember, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Be gracious when you're having conversations with non-Christians. Be gracious. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be awkward. In fact, the call is to be gracious. Peter, in his epistle, he said, always have a, 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 an answer for the hope that's inside of you when people ask about your faith. But then what did Peter say? He said, but do it with gentleness and respect. Can we all say gentleness and respect? You don't have to be rude bringing Jesus up. Do it gently. Do it respectfully. Do it graciously. And then he goes on to say, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Each person, don't just have a memorized gospel bit that you kind of puke up on people when you find out they're not Christian. He says, figure out how you ought to answer each person. People are all in different places. Some people are here. Some people are here. Some people are here. Figure out how to meet someone where they are. That, how do you do that? How do you get better at figuring out where someone is and then meeting them right where they are. That's the little pieces I've shown you. That's this little wisdom tool at Lutheran Hour Ministries we've developed called the Spiritual Conversation Curve. You receive that little card a little bit ago. Go and take that card out right now. You'll see this curve on one side of it. It's just a simplistic model. It's not, or it's a simple model. It's not simplistic. It's based on pretty extensive research that we've done, new research with Barna. It's biblically based. It's doctrinally sound. So it's not simplistic, but it's simple. You walk uphill with people who are unreceptive, you bring up good news with those who are receptive, and then you help guide toward faith those who are actively seeking. It's simple enough to carry around in your head with you. So I'd like you to try it out right now. So go ahead and uh, take out your card. Who doesn't have a pen? Micah, my friend in the back, has some extra pens. Micah, can, uh, raise your hand. Micah will get you a pen. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to this, or here's the card. Doesn't it look fancy? Okay. Turn to the part that looks like this. You see on the back, right there? And it says on there, blank's posture towards the gospel is. What I'd like you to do is one of those people who doesn't care about Jesus, one of those folks who doesn't care about Jesus that is in your life, I'd like you to write their name down. Just one of them. Go ahead and write their name down. So I'm not exaggerating. When I went to have breakfast with Lucy, this atheist who was really angry and had questions, you know, you think as a pastor, like, I just intuitively know what to talk about. I don't. I got one of these cards. And I looked at it, and I was like, okay, I'm guessing she's unreceptive. And so I checked unreceptive. So I want you, based on what we've talked about so far, for your friend, what's your best guess? Are they unreceptive to the faith? Are they receptive to hearing some good news because they're having some issues, they need some good news? Or are they actively seeking? So go ahead and check the box. If you're not sure, guess the one farther to the left. 
it's always better to assume someone's less far along on their journey and catch up to them, like I had to do with Lucy, than to assume they're further than they are. Does that make sense? So go ahead and check it. And then in the details space, right, what are some details that make you make that your guess? You know, so like with Lucy, uh, I wrote down, she says she's angry. She says she's an atheist, right? These are the details that I wrote down. So go ahead and write those details down. So this is what their posture is. Then go ahead and open the card up to this part. It says, I am praying God will help me. You see that second panel there? I am praying God will help me. And if they are unreceptive, the top one on over here, check the top uh, goal, gain a hearing. I'm praying God will help me gain a hearing. If they are receptive, check the middle one. I'm praying God will help me give good news. And if they're actively seeking, like, like my friend Nick uh, or like Lucy, then go ahead and check the bottom one. I'm praying God will help me guide them toward faith. And then you can write out a prayer under the details section. God, help me, help me gain a hearing with this friend. I, I know they don't want to hear about you. Help me be more trustworthy in their life. Help me relate with them at a deeper, at a deeper level. If someone really is receptive, maybe you could write a prayer that's something like, God, would you help me know, help remind me of something you've done in my life that would be really good news and refreshing news for them to hear. Help me, help me know what that is and give me a place to share that. Okay, so that's the kind of the goal and you can see that's the top part of the spiritual conversation curve. And then turn to the final one. It looks like that over here and it says, in my conversations with my friend, I will... Uh, and so if, if, it's un, if they're unreceptive, check chat or relate. Or you can check both. I mean, I mean, you know, use it how it's helpful to you. And then you could write in the details section, okay, I want to I wanna have more trust built with this person. Uh, and then in the details, you could write, I want to chat with them more. So at the next baseball game, I'm going to sit next to them. I'm going to try to sit next to them and just ask them questions about their life. Or if your friend is receptive and you put share, and in the details section of share, you were like, I, I want to share about how God helped me forgive my dad and reconcile with my dad. Then you could put in the details section, like maybe invite them out to uh, get some burgers and look for an opportunity to share that story with them. Does that make sense? So you can put some details in there. This curve is a simple, it's simply a wisdom tool designed to help us when we're here. When we're having a spiritual conversation dilemma, I care about Jesus, they don't care about Jesus, should I bring up my faith? Is it okay to talk about my time in Minnesota? How do I do that? This simple tool is to help us think that through. Thinking about first, their posture. Second, what I'm praying for, what my overall goal is. And then third, what kind of, relation, what kind of conversation should I pursue with them? If you'd like to find out, so I hope that's helpful. That card is yours to keep. You can keep the pen if you want. If you don't, you can just hand it back. We'll have a box at the back, or you can bring it up here, and we'll use it for the next session tomorrow. I want you to take that card. You know what I did with mine, with Lucy? I have a wallet. So I'm, I'm like a man, so I have a wallet. I don't know if everyone has wallets. And I put it in my wallet, and every time I would get money out or something, I would see it, and it would remind me of my friend Lucy, and I would pray for her. And so take that card, fold it up in your purse, Sometimes I st stick them in the between my cell phone and the case. I don't know what that's, is there a name for that space? Whatever that is, I like stick it in there. Um, put it somewhere where you will remember it. We do have some other, if you want to find out more about the, this simple conversation model, 
couple resources I want to let you know about. We do have more of these cards. Uh, we also have the card available digitally. If you go to Lutheran Hour Ministries Instagram, we have a whole story that it is, is this card digitally. We also have a booklet. You can download a PDF of it for free. There's an audio book of it with my voice uh, reading it. If you want to spend more time with me, you can find out more. We also have an online course, a detailed online course that you can take for free at LHM uh, Learn. Uh, where you can find out more about this, you can bring this model. Like if you're thinking, man, all the people at my church need to hear about this because they're kind of jerks to non-Christians. Let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting us to be a part of your kingdom expanding. Forgive us for how little we have prayed for those who don't know you. Help us to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Father, as we think about specific people who don't know you, we cry out, open doors for your word. Help us make your gospel clear, which is how we ought to speak. Help us walk in wisdom with those who don't know you, making the best use of the time. Help our speech always be gracious. Help us know how we ought to answer each person. May the mystery of Christ be known in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our cities, and throughout the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.